Hello, everybody. Welcome to Woodward Tigers, your home for all things Detroit Tigers. This is the podcast. I'm Rahelo Castillo. Alongside me is Chris Brown and Youper. And now you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Art Media, and Podcast Addict. And the reason why I put Apple Podcasts is because it changed a long time ago, and I've never, I was too lazy to change it. So people, I don't know how people, I still think people refer to it as iTunes. Do you, Chris? Yeah, I don't know. I, you do I too. Yep. Apparently there's a difference. So I want to get that difference all cleared up. But uh, quite a bit to get to this evening as Boone Gate happened today at Comerica Park and bear witness to probably the loudest crowd, one of the loudest crowds I've ever heard ever. So, and by the way, if you haven't subscribed to us, please subscribe to our YouTube channel at Woodward Tigers. We would love some more subscribers. We got some content ideas coming out on the way as well. So, and what's up to Jeremy in there in the YouTube chat? Just want to say hello. So if you want to join our Tigers Discord, just ask for some information. We'll give you that to you. It's free to join Tigers chat all day long. So let's let's go to the game today. So it was a pretty – the Tigers offense has been struggling, but, again, it's universal across Major League Baseball, not just the Tigers. And here we go, Miguel Cabrera coming in. You know, number two thousand or two hundred two thousand ninety nine nine, just one hit away from three thousand, and <laughs> boom, boom gate occurred. So here's the situation that happened. So this is the eighth inning. So you're looking at Reyes with a double. That was a great at bat, by the way, by Reyes. I thought he had a really deep at bat in that in the eighth inning there, and then Grossman who went three for three, got a single. Yeah, Reyes had a double. Scope walked, and then Candelario got a double play with, and then led up to Miggy. So Miguel gets up there, and they walk him. They just, you know, they don't even throw a pitch. They just, they have a little meeting on the mound. They walk, and I was there too, Ray. I was there, and it was, people were pissed. It just, I mean, it was 10 to 15 minutes, and the video you see on Woodward Tigers and the, the video you've seen on Woodward Sports was all the stuff I was taking, including all offensive linemen, which, by the way, Chris, that ended up working out pretty well. Dan Skipper. Oh, yeah, yeah the, they, everybody thought that was Dan Campbell, but it was Dan, uh, Detroit Lions offensive offensive lineman, Dan Skipper, who was instead in the video. Coach, instead of Skipper, Dan Campbell, it was Dan Skipper. <laughs> but it, but then Austin, Austin Meadows came through with a blooper blooper that scored two and that provided me the difference and Gregory Soto pitched outstanding the bullpen as a whole which we'll get to and a great first start for Michael Badea who did pitch the contact we'll also talk about we'll talk a little bit about that too but it all starts really with first and foremost Aaron Boone made the right decision I'm sorry if you don't feel that way I'm not here to do a hot take theater but strategically speaking it was the right move now should have like this whole the, the the baseball aspect of it, but it's almost like and, and Joe and YouTube had a, a good point here. It feels like you're bunting in in a perfect game. I, no, I I understand that, but at the same time, it is one nothing. You're trailing. Your offense has been struggling, except for Anthony Rizzo. But I'll start with you, Chris. I mean, it was that the right decision? Absolutely. Uh, and, and I say this, I mentioned right before we started, like I was super upset about uh, the Dodgers taking Clayton Kershaw out of the game last week. But this is different. I, I think this is 
justifiable in just about every way. I, I feel like the booze here were kind of, I'm sure some people were just upset and drunk or whatever, but a lot of it felt like the booze you get when a pitcher throws to first base to keep the, <laughs> like, like it's okay. It, had the Tigers done that to somebody else, it, it, it would have been fine. It's, you've got a left-hander coming up who was what, over three with three strikeouts against the lefty heading into that event or something close to that. Yeah. Austin Meadows has struggled against left-handers uh, in his career ever since his first full season. You, it's a one-run game. <laughs> you've got an open base, and you've got uh, you know a right-handed hitter there who is uh, pretty hot right now. He got three hits against you yesterday, so I understand the uh, you know how, how everybody's upset, and I, I was upset too, and like making fun of him and laughing. But you know, put your put yourself in Aaron Boone's shoes, and. Say he, you know, it backfired on him anyway. And generally speaking, uh, you know, I think these the uh, sabermetric thing is is don't walk anybody on purpose yep. for the most part. But uh, you know, if if he just pitches to Cabrera and the people are like, "Hey, why didn't you walk Cabrera there?" and he says, "Ah, you know, I wanted to give him a chance to get his three thousandth hit." That's not going to go over well in New York because that's basically like him saying, "Yeah, I'm rooting for him to get a hit." So. I thought it was fine. Cabrera, it's not like Cabrera's going to go hitless for the rest of the the uh, season. I'm sure the Tigers don't necessarily mind. They're going to get a big old crowd tomorrow night. So, yeah. The um, uh, by the after by, by the way after the game, there was already a crowd lined up to get tickets for tomorrow. So, well, go ahead. Yeah, and I, I feel bad for the the handfuls of people who went there today and counted on seeing that and can't go tomorrow. But uh, oh well, that's, that's baseball. Yeah, but what about you, Uper? Well, that's exactly what I was going to lead off with. You know, the only people who really are out of luck are folks who could have saw it today, uh, but can't be there on the weekend to possibly see it again. Uh, if those folks are upset, I don't blame them. That would be a pretty, pretty great moment to see. Um, you know, and it's not also, a, you know, if this was game 162, <laughs> that would have been pretty bad too. Uh, I have to wait till next year. But I think... It's very defensible what Boone did. I don't know if they really, uh, from a number standpoint, gained a lot by doing it. You know, really, in that situation, you're down one nothing. Uh, if you do pitch to Cabrera, whether you bring in a righty or just stick with Litke, Cabrera hits the ball on the ground a lot. You're going to play the infield in. Uh, actually, no, there's two out. You know, you're going to play him back. He hits the ground, and he struck out twice. I think it would have been defensible to pitch to Cabrera. Uh, yeah, he had three hits yesterday, but they were three ground balls. I mean, there's nothing special about him. Uh, he went the other route, and he actually got burned by it. He actually pitched to the guy who probably is a more dangerous hitter at this point in their respective careers. So when you think about it, and uh, Meadows came through with the blooper. Yeah, and, and one of the things that stand out about that, the, the getting back to – I want to start back with Victor Reyes for a second in that a bat – that was kind of a key at bat because he was able to follow. It was like, I think nine or eight pitch at bat there. And that was something in, in Ray makes a good point here for Candelario hitting the double that left that first base open. He He's right. And Candelario has been scuffling quite a bit uh, in terms of uh, offensively speaking, defensively, that's what's holding him in right now, but he's been looking just not looking like he's barreling up the ball right at all. and kind of looks a little, admittedly a little lost in the play, but it, it was that kind of, and him and I think Robbie Grossman too had another productive at bat that really kind of turned that inning over. It kept turning, or excuse me, kept going, kept that inning going. I don't know why I couldn't say that in the first place, but 
either way, I I had no problem. I, I I understand where the fan perspective comes from. They're there to see. It's a beautiful day. It's the first nice day in Detroit. I mean, it's crap. It's the first time I've seen the sun in a month. It feels like. I mean, <laughs> good lord. It's. Um, but nevertheless, I I thought that after even if you think about from the haze of the booze and i mean let me just say this the last couple crowd uh, last night when people left after cabrera's last at bat and then went home in the cold the tigers were down two runs i didn't i didn't really care for that i mean if you're there stay but if you don't the cold has been i'm not gonna lie it it sucked like i I took a hot shower on as soon as i got home last night but either way I thought that today was a good way to, especially with the Yankees, the Tigers have had a brutal, I mean, if you look at who their opponents have been, to come out with at least one win, and they were in all three games. So I will take that for whatever, I guess, a happy point of view, go lucky point of view you want to go with that. I really liked Reyes' at bat, too. He was really, you could see later in the at bat, he he saw a hole over there. He was trying to exploit it. It looked like almost every swing was, trying to punch that ball. And I don't know if you, uh, Chris, did you watch on television? So I was watching all all day, but I had at three, roughly three o'clock, I had to take a shower and then at 320, I had to go get my son. So it was like, I was really rooting for that hat to hit to happen. And then I was in the car when it happened. Uh, Riz's ball, it hugged the line. I mean, that hugged it. <laughs> I mean, that was literally a couple inches from being foul. I thought the, the umpire made a pretty nice call there. Um, but it was it was a great at bat, you know. Start that inning off. Um, Vic is swinging the bat pretty good these days. I, I ever, even some of his outs have been uh, pretty solid. Yeah, I mean, if you, if you look at the in terms of the off-field offense outside of you know, Meadows has been spread, but again, good way to get Rob, Robbie Grossman to get back. He had three hits today, that really helped the Tigers' offense. And a cue ball dude look like he's t- taking a couple of days off and. Really needs to. And Chris, I, I don't know about we talked about this before the season began, the the worry of a sophomore jinx, because that's always kind of a thing with rookies. But in your case with Badu, what what are your thoughts about Badu just off this slow start? Yeah, you know, it's tough. Uh everybody was kind of counting on him to to provide a spark for the the team. Uh and to Oop's point about Victor Reyes, you know, they they brought Derek Hill off the IL and just optioned him to the Lido. You know, he was going to start the te- season with the club, I think. But uh, Victor Reyes uh, has won that job for now. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't, I haven't really dug into Badu's at bats, but it seems like it's it's largely a continuation. Remember, he got up to a really hot start in spring. And then I remember they were interviewing AJ Hinch during one of the spring games, and he said, ah, oh, his timing's a little bit off now. And that was like right at the beginning of a stretch where I want to say he, he was like 0 for 15 with eight strikeouts or something. And then he hit a couple more home runs at the end of the spring, but he just he hasn't really looked on time all season. Yep. And we've seen a lot of like the little weak dribblers back to the pitcher and things like that. And so I just I feel like he's in one of those uh, spots where he's just kind of like caught in between at the plate, and he's he's being aggressive when he should be passive, and being passive when he should be aggressive. <laughs> and uh, you know sometimes. Every every time they talk about him on the broadcast or anybody talks about him, they talk about how hard he works and how much he's trying to get better and, and, and stuff like that. So I don't think there's any issues there. I think he just he needs to hit his way out of it. And uh, I don't know. I mean, the, the, the Tigers need to win games. So if he can't do it right now, it wouldn't shock me if at some point 
in the relatively near future, he goes down to Toledo too for a little bit just to, to play every day and, and, and find his timing again. Seems like sometimes, and I don't have the numbers to prove it right now, but I'm just getting that sense that he and Scope, for that matter, are just in one of those ruts where you're always behind in the count. You know, you're yeah. starting off 0-2, 1-2 all the time. <laughs> well, I mean, like that. I think I saw that Scope is an 0-for-25 slide. I think Chris Mikowski of Detroit News posted that on Twitter. But this is kind of almost parallel to what happened to him last year. He didn't start getting good until June where he had 10 home runs. He had a really monster June. So it could be the case with the weather, spring training. I, I don't know. It's just it's it's now officially 11 games in. So as far as the defense, this, this series was kind of it was kind of spotty. I mean, we saw Torque play a better first base today. Yesterday, he dropped that fly or that foul in right field that could potentially could have been an out. And for what it's worth with Baez out, you've had Castro, you've had. Uh, Harold, oh, excuse me, the Castros, I should say, period. Both Castros playing short, and Harold came through today with a nice clutch double, and he also, too, he had some really good at-bats as well, but the defense, uh, there's, you know, Tucker Bernhardt has kind of not been, I don't know about you guys, but he's not overwhelmed me with his defense at all. No, I I had him, you know, he was going to be my ugly later on. Uh, We can talk about it more then, too, but yeah, yeah, absolutely. His arm also doesn't look like a rocket right now. I don't know if he has something wrong. You know, who knows? They don't talk much about catchers who might have an ache in their shoulder, that kind of thing. But um, arm doesn't look great. He's certainly misplayed a couple balls, you know. But it's 11 games. We've got to see where we go from there. What about you, Chris? Have you noticed the defense has been kind of yeah, more yeah, last yeah. We had somebody ask a question about Barnhart. Um, oh, was it and- Kurt? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, we can just throw that in right now, I guess. What was the question? It was, uh, let's see, Tucker Barnhart plays catcher the way Miguel Cabrera played third base, and he hits like Ray Euler. Should the Tigers admit their mistake and just go with the big bats of Haas and Garneau behind the plate? I think, uh, a little bit early to to, to throw in the the towel on Tucker Barnhart. He was never going to hit, he never has. I don't know why he's doing the switch hitting thing. That seems like a waste of time to me. Um, I don't think he's batted right-handed more than a handful of times. Um, I'm sure he'll heat up to a certain degree uh, as a hitter. But, yeah, the defense is what he was supposed to be known for. And, really, I think uh, what we've seen so far is is that his defense is only really plus uh, when it comes to blocking pitches, which is, there's, there's definitely value to that. Mm-hmm. Because uh, you know you're saving 90 feet here, saving runs there, letting pitchers throw their best offerings. Uh, when you know Wilson Ramos couldn't do that. Wilson Ramos hit what six home runs last year in the first month or so, and, and they're happy to see go. <laughs> yeah, he was gone by two months or three months because uh, yeah, they they only really cared about the the defense. And I think Barnhart will become slightly less noticeable. If and when they start getting their offensive players back, you know, Baez comes back, and and once Green lands, I, I can't help but shake. I can't shake this feeling that they Tigers would have like two more wins if Riley Green had been on the roster. Uh, <laughs> but that that may have meant that they didn't get Austin Meadows, so it's probably not true. Um, but yeah, I, I, I you know Barnett, uh, Barnhart's been disappointing for sure. Yeah, and and again, even with there's just been. Again, maybe it's just a cold with some of the kind of stumbling around a little bit during the series, but either way, but I, I look for what it's worth, 
like I said, I'll say this once, I'll say it again. For the Tigers to be at five and seven, the way the roster has been, and you play, I mean, you've played Chicago, you play the Royals, and you play the Yankees. You got the Rockies who are coming into town who are eight and four. I mean, again, this is way early, but they're off to a pretty good start. So the the, the Rockies are not going to be a slouch either. So it's all things considered, this is going to be a lot worse. There's a lot of flaws that we've seen early on, and they're still managed to do it. And there's plenty of good reasons for that. So it's time for Rogelio and Chris to go inside the numbers. All right. So it's time for inside the numbers. Chris, what is your inside the number? Well, yeah, apologize to, to anybody who was in the, the Discord earlier today because uh, this is something that I, I used it there. But my number is 996, and that is the number of different pitchers that Miguel Cabrera has a hit against in his career. Uh, it would be awesome if he got to 1,000. Um, he's going to hit number 3,000, but that's impossible now. It's a mathematical impossibility. But uh, the guy he was facing, Lucas Lufty, would have been 997 if he had gotten a hit off of him. But uh, – yeah, I just found that kind of fascinating. And we were going through and looking at, at the various, like all the different names he's gotten hit off. I think 11 different Rodriguez's, 19 different Michaels. Or no, 19 different Mikes, 9 different Michaels, and 4 Miguel's. Um, he's gotten a hit, out, a hit off a Shingo, a Shohei, and a Singwan. Um, and then I, I, I this is going to be in my, my piece when he does hit the 3,000. He's got hits against like every potential uh, initial you can imagine. AJ, CJ, DJ, RJ. JJ, CC, like MJ. all of them. Yeah, so. Uh, I wonder how many Hall of Famers are there. Uh, you know, I didn't break it down by that. Uh, he's definitely got plenty of hits against Zach Grinke, who I assume will be a Hall of Famer. And I don't know. I got to check to see if he's gotten hits against Scherzer and Verlander. Yeah. Let me bring up my sheet. But that's, uh, you know, it was just a basic kind of small number for tonight. All right, you brought what's your inside number? I have 17 and .150. So right now there are 17 batters hitting 150 or less in Major League Baseball who are qualified. Um, the Tigers, you know, we, we talk about their run scoring. They're carrying two of them. And you, we've talked about them already, Scope and Badu. Uh, streaky players last year during a good season. Got to believe it'll turn around. Scope will have that stretch where he's throwing the bat at everything and he hits a few. You know, uh, but also when you talk about 150, Candelario is at 156 right now. So he's pretty much in the group, more or less. Um, but I was really interested when you look at offenses around the league uh, in the central, uh, the Royals are carrying four guys under 150 right now. Uh, Merrifield, Bobby Witt Jr., uh, Mondesi, and then Carlos Santana is uh, leading her last in the league at 077. And I bet they wish they traded him at the deadline last year. Yeah, I would think so. So my inside number is 150 and 91. 150 is the number as for the amount of shutouts caught by Yanir Molina, which is second all time next to Yogi Berra, who's caught 173. So that's pretty impressive considering the longevity. Or how many, in terms of, I mean, Yogi, Yogi Berra had a, I, I, well, I'll, I'll probably get criticized for my Yankees history, but I feel I, I feel like there's was the kind of same core pitchers that he was working with for a while. But I mean, 
either way, both accomplishments are outstanding. It just shows what kind of pitcher caller and framer he is. And number 91 comes from the number that Miguel Cabrera first debuted on the 2001 Baseball America's Top 100 at the age of 18. So hmm. there you go. If it's something that think about, he ended up moving up to as high as 12. So that's always a kind of like we're, we're I was talking to Mike who used to work for MCB and a guy who I go to quite a bit of games with. And we're talking about that earlier about prospect rankings. Mm-hmm. And it's always, I mean, don't get me wrong. We have one over Tiger Mountain Report, MCB. Everyone has one. And, and we, I actually posted the one from the original one we posted from 2019. And someone was like, oh, Kryler's really low. It's like, yeah, but that was him at Connecticut. That was like a, that was like a lifetime ago, Chris. I mean, you remember yeah. Ryan Kryler yeah. back then. He wasn't good in his debut yeah. in Connecticut. So, yeah, I mean, this is sometimes you only have so much information to go on. And, and the fun thing about lists is that you could change them around. Yeah. yeah. Not, uh, some lists stay the same forever. These ones don't. Like the periodic table has mostly been the same for many, many years. Even with those and, all with weird theoretical elements. <laughs> and every single trivia company uses that some way to screw you over in, in trivia. So, <laughs> They'll find clever ways to answer questions. One thing I, I, I was curious about in you know, the Molina, I saw the Molina thing too, and that was cool. Um, I was remembering that Buster Posey had 14 shutouts in the playoffs, which is absurd. And I was kind of curious how many, yeah, I don't remember how many he caught in the regular season, but it's, uh, it's one of those things where, and it, uh, who knows how much of that you actually give credit to the catcher. Certainly some, if not most, but not all of it. Um, yeah. And the, and, the, and the other funny thing about the Miggy scouting report, you know, when, uh, who was it? The, I think Woodbury, Evan Woodbury had the quote from Miguel Cabrera about the Yankees today. Yeah, saying, yeah uh, that was great. The Yankee scout told him if he was going to make it, it was going to be as a pitcher. <laughs> and Miggy <laughs> said he got fired. And then J.J. Cooper came through with, like, the scouting report uh, that I had never read. I, had you ever seen that before? That, that people no. were spreading negative rumors about Cabrera that he had elephantiasis. <laughs> you can see that, yeah. No. Yeah, they were spreading rumors that uh, when Cabrera was an amateur, that he had elephantiasis. So I presumably to try to get, uh, you know, his his bonus down. I, he, there used to be as shady as things are now. They were even shadier, you know, twenty thirty years ago. I remember watching oh. the, yeah, watching the uh, that documentary, Pelotero, I think it is about Miguel Sano and another kid there in the Dominican. And how, like, the Pirates scout, famous scout for the Pirates, was telling them, like, I don't know, and how Major League Baseball was, like, complicit in spreading rumors about Miguel Sano being older than he actually was to try to get his bonus demands lower. Like, yeah, it's always gross. And sometimes elephantiasis gets involved, apparently. Yeah, there's uh, elephantiasis is something that I've <laughs> That's crazy. associated in those medical books you show your, your kids just to scare them off about something. So, or. Yeah. Or Michael Michael Jackson because well that's the Elephant Man never mind so <laughs> yeah I don't, I don't, anyway he, apparently he had the bones of the Elephant Man so yeah but yeah so at any rate uh, <laughs> that's I don't know how I'm gonna segue out of that but uh, the one oh I do want this is a good way to segue out of that so essentially with the amount of I'm I'm just curious to know how many people have ever hit the IL with Elephant Titans. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think it's a terribly common injury in in uh, in baseball or the world. I, I do remember seeing the one poor guy who had elephantiasis of the testicles 
and had to walk around with a, a hooded sweatshirt upside down so the hood could cradle his uh, jewels. All right. Well, go. that's a tough way to go. That's yeah. The good. Oh, that's good. <laughs> the bad. Oh, that's bad. And the ugly. Speaking of ugly scrotums, it's now time for the good, the bad, the ugly. Shay Betty, eh? <laughs> All right. <laughs> I just always thought his head, you know. <laughs> yes. That's why I was thinking of the same thing. Oh, man. Sorry for anybody, Detroit country listeners out there. No offense to the great. Michigan basketball yeah. legend, great player at Duke, great NBA player. Yeah. Head like nutsack. <laughs> you know? So, yeah, but her, well, there you go. How about, uh, here's another uh, pointless fact. What about Harold Miner? He looked like a shinier one. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> you go ahead and lead off with your good, the bad, the ugly. Well, under, under good, I'm not going to go crazy here. It's pretty simple. Miguel Cabrera is the good, right? This is, this is basically turned into celebrate Miguel Cabrera week, and he deserves it. Uh, you know, it's, and it's also nice that he's playing fairly well. I mean, he's hitting, it's mostly singles, but who cares? He's he's having some effective at-bats, uh, chasing this milestone. Uh, everybody in the world is writing about him and writing these ode to Miguel Cabrera. Uh, I wrote one myself, and others have. It's been a lot of fun, and it's something that, you know, as he goes into the wind-down phase of his career, uh, it's really great to see for him. And all these videos of him doing nice things for people and having nice chats with people. Uh, obviously, the man's had his problems in his life in the past, but he really seems to have a lot of that together. And I think, you know, he hasn't had a, a fantastic statistical season in a long time. And, you know, that's probably how he's going to go out. But these kind of moments are really special to remember his greatness. I mean, he's literally the best hitter I've seen in a tiger uniform in my life and I'm getting old. Okay. So, uh, uh, it's, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, I really enjoyed it. I hope he gets it tomorrow night. It'd be fun to see him become the fourth guy to get a home on a hit number 3000. Uh, I don't know if that's possible. That one he hit today, that was the old classic swing. It looked good off the bat. Then obviously it didn't even make the warning track, uh, which is fine. But, uh, the powers, you know, it's starting to wane. We'll see if you can find a little bit this summer. But uh, anyway, that's my good. I, I just think it's been really a fun week. My bad, uh, obviously, April, another slow start for the Tigers. Uh, last year, uh, we made a lot about the 9-24 and 24, uh, through May 8th. So obviously that encompassed a very, very bad April. Um, today's win, I thought, was kind of, oh, boy, I hate to use the word important because it, it is early April. But, you know, if they go to four and eight and they continue to look bad, you really wonder where it's going to go. Uh, so I thought it was a nice win today to, to pitch well, uh, defend fairly well, get a timely hit, even if it was a little lucky. Uh, good stuff there. Um, because you don't want to get too deep into April and all of a sudden be looking at a eight and 17 record, you know, and then where is the season going to go? Because can you really count on, maybe playing above your head all summer long like you did last year. So hopefully they can find a couple wins uh, coming up here to, with the Rockies. Um, Ugly mentioned it earlier, Barnhart defense. That's what he was sold to us as uh, he needs to be a rock solid defender. I'm not going to throw him away after 11 games. And obviously he's only, probably only played eight. Uh, so 
we'll see where it goes as the weather heats up, as he kind of gets to know the pitching staff. Um, hopefully some of these things that we're seeing kind of go away. And I think Chris made a great point. The uh, Scoring a few more runs will cover a lot of ills for the whole team. You know, so uh, uh, we'll just see what Tucker Barnhart has in store for us the next few weeks. All right, Chris, what about you? Uh, yeah, one, one I, I didn't know, uh, one bonus good I want to do. Uh, just, just want to talk about what Gregory Soto did today. I don't know if that was uh, on, on your agenda at all, Raj. Oh, no, go ahead. You're, you're good. So, uh, just, you know, coming in, I mean, that's, that's kind of uh, – you know, I would never call him an elite closer or anything like that. But what he did today was elite closer stuff for, for the most part. I mean, I mean, maybe it would have been more elite had he struck out five guys. But he came in with the bases loaded in a one-run game and got two huge ground outs and then closed it out in a 3 nothing game. And that was uh, enormous. I mean, you know, it's it's nice to have a closer with that sort of ability. You know, every, every closer is going to melt down every now and then. But that was sweet. He came in through 100 on his first pitch. It's like, all right, well, that'll work. And and like I said, it'd be cool if he struck a couple more guys out to start the season. But if he's getting outs, I don't care. Um, so anyway, uh, yeah, my good, my good is that Javi Baez is even better than we thought he was. Uh, oh yes, I'm I'm looking forward. I know where you're going with this. Yeah. Yeah. So the new new uh, there was a, a, a update to the WAR formula at Fangraphs today, where they uh, got rid of their old defensive uh, UZR range in favor of Statcast fielding runs prevented. And, uh, you know, I tweeted about this and I said, this is another example of why maybe it's not a great idea to tie in awards and compensation to war because, you know, it's constantly changing as it should. They're always trying to make it better. But in the process of updating, a bunch of players had big changes to their war totals. Uh, And Fangraphs went back to 2016. And the third biggest jump was Javier Baez. Who, who gained four and a half war over that time. That's awesome. uh, and, and Jonathan Scope was the fifth biggest at 4.1. Wow. So now, now if you if you look back at the top shortstops in baseball since 2016, Javier Baez and, and Carlos Correa are almost identical at, by war at Fangraphs. 22.4 to 23.8 over, what is that, uh, six years, eight years? I can't do math. Seven years. Uh, so, yeah, I, I don't know. It's just kind of funny, like, I don't know if that would have changed uh, anybody's opinion. Everybody just wanted Carlos Correa, but basically they got uh, an identical player. I mean, obviously different skills, but uh, yeah, Javi Baez is pretty good, and now the numbers say it, so I guess we can believe it now? I don't know. Hmm. Um, My bad is Joey Gallo, who we got to see today. Uh, And Yankee fans basically already hated him for playing very poorly for them down the stretch last year. And... uh, and yeah, he's off to a terrible start. And those don't go unnoticed in New York. He is uh, what through thirteen games, he has zero extra base hits. Not only that, he's he's not scored a single run or driven in a single run. Which I don't even know, like, yeah, I mean that seems really hard to do. And he's not like saw today. He he wasn't playing great. He, he's a good athlete. He's played center field at an above average level before in his major league career. But he this is the garbage you get me. That's how every New York Yankees fan is thinking every time they see him get to the plate. Yeah. And, I, you know, there's certain aspects, certain players that are going to anger every fan base. And it's usually those three true outcome guys, you know, the Brandon Ninjas of the world. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I imagine the Yankees fans are, are pretty upset with Joey Gallo. And he could be moving into the ugly category very soon. Yeah. But uh, I'm actually going to, for the ugly category, I'm going to go to his old team, 
the Texas Rangers, who spent a ton of money in the offseason, uh, mostly on the offense side of things. And, and Corey Seager's been fine. Marcus Simeon's off to a slow start. I think he'll be fine. Brad Miller is a guy I like. He's off to a good start. But their pitching is is the worst in baseball right now. And that includes Jahan Gray, who they spent a bunch of money on. But I'm looking right now. So they're, they have negative one war already. And obviously that can change quickly. But it's not so great right now because they have a 6.09 ERA as a staff Oof. and a 5.43 FIP. See, Dane Dunning <laughs> has made three starts. He has an ERA of... Five six eight. Taylor Hearn has two starts. He's four seven zero. He's the best in the rotation. Martin Martin Perez six seven five. John Gray a seven ERA through nine innings. Meanwhile, in the bullpen, Greg Holland has already been released, I believe. Uh, Colby Allard, you know, one time top prospect for the Braves. He's got a nineteen point two nine ERA. Well, that's five, five earned runs in two and a third. Uh, Garrett Richards, who's a guy I wanted the Tigers to look at, not so much so far. He's got a six ERA and a thirteen three eight FIP. So. Nice. Yeah, ugly, ugly down there for the Rangers right now, and uh, that can derail their season pretty quickly, especially in a division that tough. Well, I, I didn't even know, Greg. Is, you said Greg Holland, right? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, he was with the Rangers, and he is no longer. Oof. But uh, so my so again, I went with the kind of AL Central theme. Oh, Central theme. There we go between the AL Central and NL Central. So my good is the Tigers bullpen. And I wanted to mention a, a couple of people that maybe kind of unsung heroes. I thought Jason, J- Jacob Barnes had a good couple clutch outs today mm-hmm. and he has looked well so far. He's got a fit right now of 2.15. So he's got, he's been, do, every time that Hinch has called on him, he's gotten it done. And Willie Peralta hit 97. And it was something that I asked Chris earlier at the game. I was texting back and forth and asking him when was the last time because 97, it was actually, I'll give credit to Steve in the discord chat. We have him as a uh, AKA ghost. And he said, well, he, he, he randomly texted me. He's like right down the row. And he goes, both to 97. Cause I was looking at his sinker and I was taking some notes. And then I look up and I look over at him. He's like, and I was like, and, but Peralta, Peralta looked really sharp today in terms of his pitch movement. I thought he did a pretty good job as well, but I know that the Jimenez experience has been a little at times you know, with the walks, but I still think that he he's been pretty effective with his fastball and even with his with it. I think it was like a slider. He throws yeah throws a slider, and I know that was the pitch before he struggled with, but the changeup is been good. But overall, you got to with the way this bullpen set up. I honestly thought he'd barely get through the month, and they've been holding the Tigers together. It does help. That they've got they got two quality starts back to back, and that mm-hmm. kind of saved them, especially with the Rockets coming to town tomorrow. So, and you have a rookie in Bill Brisky, which we'll get to after the good and bad and ugly, who who will be starting on Saturday, making his major league debut. My bad is something that I thought that we talked about this numerous times. You never put down Cleveland, but. <laughs> 106 miles to Chicago. Oh, wait, that's the wrong we one. got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing Chicago okay. sucks. Yep. Well, I'll just put this. There you go. Chicago sucks. Yeah. So the White Sox got swept by the Guardians this week, as Dylan Keuchel on Wednesday did not look good at all. He pitched allowed 
eight runs on 10 hits. Credit to the White Sox bullpen. They came back through and, and held it down for him, but the offensive the offense struggled in Cleveland. Cleveland's always an embarrassment of pitches, pitchers rather, but also pitches too. That's a pretty. <laughs> that's a fantastic. Uh, like, yeah, that's a great uh, Freudian slip there. Yeah, but <laughs> it's but it's, it's really true. It's, yeah, thank you. And it's one of those things where now the Guardians are first place. And again, it's it, you never. I, I saw a lot of the standings again. This is only early April, but the Cleveland would be in last. And I just thought that was a lazy layup take because we've seen Cleveland and yes, they did not spend any money at all, but they're still able to produce pitching at an alarming rate. And so, but it was just, I did not see that coming, but the white Sox are in, in bad shape right now and they need to get some starting pitching help pretty, pretty quickly because the rotation's shot. And the ugly belongs to the last central team. And that would be the Cincinnati Reds, who are, I should have put this in my inside number. They have the run differential of minus 37, which puts them at the worst in the league. They've given up 74 runs. They're one, they're, they've lost nine in a row. And this is the second week in a row we're going to bash the Cincinnati Reds, but I think it's going to be, this is our new version of the Marlins when we used to do the Marlins bashing all the time back in the Jeff Jeffrey Loria days of the podcast. And it, it's, it's bad. I mean, I, you know, it was something that Castiano said about how Reds fans deserve ever because Cincinnati is a really good baseball town and we're bashing the bro, dude. Um, got the guys. I forgot, forgot the guy's name on the podcast last week, but so what? Oh, the uh, yeah, their CEO or CEO yeah. or whatever. Castellani. Yeah, Castellani. Yeah. No relation to Chris Castellani, who you can find at Barstool and Barstool Sports, but uh, great guy, by the way. No, it's one of those things where the Reds are just, they had all this talent. They saw some talent in the team. Yep. And they're just like, screw you guys. And a division that is, easy, I don't think, easy to contend with necessarily but it's a division that will allow you to be competitive and at least give you the opportunity to have a, a fighting chance. And the other thing about the ugly this week, too, that's not necessarily ugly, but it's just a little, I guess, strange to me, is the Cubs rotation. So I was looking at some of the – you made a Mark Leiter Jr. Mark Leiter Jr., ladies and gentlemen, from Erie and Toledo last year, is in the rotation. He's only pitched three innings. But I, I feel like is, is are the Cubs going to just do this every year where they find somebody that time has forgotten about, i.e., for example, Frank, or Frank Twindell. Twindell, Twindell, who I thought was good here, but just wasn't going to have a good opportunity. <laughs> but it's just I'm looking at I'm looking at this rotation, and it's I don't know. It's Kyle Hendricks is always going to be solid, but that guy I have a feeling that. At one point, he might be traded, and then you have David Robertson back in there. Like I thought that David Robertson wasn't playing anymore, and who knew? Yeah. So, but uh, yeah, that's my good and bad and ugly this week. As uh, we move on to Saturday, and the reason why we will move on to Saturday is because a uh, kudos to Jacob Bose last year around this time. Well, well, actually, it was a you know, it was in May. So, what am I talking? Well, yeah, it's coming up anyway. Last year. Myself, Chris Brown, James Shipman, 
and Jacob, those who writes for us, who writes for, excuse me, at Motor City Bengals. He also does some really good work with Tech Mind Report. Went out to West Michigan last year, and we were expecting to see the likes of Montero, Garrett Hill, and there's a gentleman Drew by Smith. the name. Yeah, Drew Smith, which. <laughs> you, yeah, you know. Um, that's a, yeah, we, have that's to, cool. we, we have to retire that joke now, right? Yeah. <laughs> but uh, so go ahead, Chris. I mean, this was, you had the gun. I was taking notes, trying to get into the habit of scouting reports, but. No, well, so I, I uh, yeah, I mean, I, I was just working the stopwatch that day. Yeah. Jake and, and Chip were doing the gun and, and kind of, you know, just it, it it was mostly just kind of practice, I think, you know, just, just getting into the habits of, of scouting an actual yeah. picture and, and, you know, noting his physique and his delivery and, and all that good stuff and Jake taking, uh, and taking, uh, inventory of his pitches and and uh yeah i was just sitting there working like hey brian packard 5.1 to first like look at that guys i was just you know scouting's hard so i didn't want to do it so i was just hanging out and, and doing my thing uh and i don't remember what inning it was or whatever but i just remember kind of jake kind of looking over at us and going huh that's, you know, that's a pretty good change up like this is this is interesting and basically like starting to pay attention and you know a, a lot of times you go to minor league games and and you might see a pitcher who does a couple things that seem vaguely interesting, but you don't, I don't know. It, it's, you got to pass on it, but Jake uh, had the, I don't know, a foresight or whatever to say, Hey, I'm going to write this guy up anyway, just as it probably an org guy, but that was, uh, you know, or an emergency up and down starter, but that was even higher than we uh, thought coming into the game. He was basically a nobody to us coming into the game. Right. You know, he, he barely had any track record and, uh, yeah, I mean, that was kind of the beginning of, of Brisky consistently getting better and having good outings and eventually moving up to double A and showing up on prospect lists. And here he is two starts into his triple A career and he's getting the call up because he is their best option. Better than Joey Wentz, who's on the 40 man, better than Alex Fiedo, who's on the 40 man, but down in Lakeland. And that's just a, it's a really cool scouting story uh, in Jake's part and also a great scouting story on the Tigers part. 27th round pick. Come on, like just three years ago. That's wild. Yeah, and I was I was at his start this past Friday here in Des Moines. It was a great start. It was it was a cold night. It was really cold. Um, he went five. I I believe he threw seventy, maybe seventy three pitches somewhere ballpark there. Uh, I was pretty impressed. I I, I was you know I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a pitching coach. I'm not a scout, but uh, I I just felt like I always try to see where. Uh, pitchers finish and if they're on balance and if they're finishing in the same spot he looked very consistent to me the only thing I, I saw was it seems like his stride is a little shorter on breaking pitches than on fastballs but I'm not sure if that's a common thing or not or if that's something batters can pick up but that's just what I noticed but everything else he seemed very very balanced when he finished um, you know they the the Cubs line the Iowa Cubs couldn't do anything with him uh, I think they had two hits two walks uh he was just, it was a commanding performance. Those are five very quiet innings uh, for the Cubs that night. Um, he hit 94 probably half a dozen times, mostly sat around 93. Uh, but he got some swings and misses with the fastball too. So um, it's going to be real interesting to see what he has at the major league level. I told the folks I was with that Tigers would probably see him later this year. I did not think it would be later this week. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and one of the things we broke down his start, and you find it on our YouTube channel at, over at Tiger Miley Report, 
was that as time went on, it was something, a progression we noticed. At first, we started throwing the curveball over. It was a little, it was kind of curved slider. It was kind of, didn't really do much. It didn't break. It was just kind of get me over a little bit. But then as the season went on in the year, it got a little, it got sharper. Not, I mean, it still wasn't like a, a snap off pitch, but still it was progressing. You saw his pitches progressing. You saw that in terms of sequencing himself and just getting his command down, he was, he was, great i mean there was a stretch last year and i think it was 19 innings where he didn't walk anybody he went right after the batter he doesn't waste a lot of time and and i think one of the biggest things that the reason why they went with him over wentz is wentz has been i don't know what happened to wentz between spring training now but correct me if i'm wrong chris but it seemed like in spring training everything was down had downward movement the miles per hour weren't there and now the miles per hour are there but everything's kind of hanging up yeah he just uh wentz just doesn't I don't know. He seems to cut himself off a lot and, and you'll see him kind of cast his breaking ball and it'll finish up above the zone a lot, at least in the, the starts I've watched this year. And he hasn't pitched very deep into either game. Uh, and I don't know if that's him not being ready in spring training and not being fully stretched out or whatever. Uh, and, and that could be it, but he's, he wasn't throwing a ton of strikes right now and his fastball looks good. He's getting strikeouts, but they, they want somebody to come up and try to give him innings and, and Brisky, I think the thing that impresses me the most about Brisky is uh, his demeanor on the mound, which is, you know, I'm sure that there's guys out there who could throw 80 who have good demeanor, but like <laughs> he took kind of a beating in his first start. It, it, it wasn't ugly. He just left a couple fastballs in the wrong spots and they got hit over the fence, but it never, like he never got flustered or started like walking guys or stopping from his game plan, which is he attacks the zone. He keeps hitters off balance. If he falls behind, he's not going to give you the fastball that you think. And he'll, he'll probably – I noted it on the uh, the minor league uh, podcast. I saw him get to 2-0 and o maybe three or four different times in that Iowa game, and every time he came with a changeup, uh, which – and again, I said that's not a great you – don't, you don't want to get into a pattern that some doofus watching on MILB TV can pick out, but that's a great pitch to throw 2-0 because guys are going to be sitting fastball and they're going to swing over the top of it or beat it on the ground. And his changeup is good. I, I, it's an above-average pitch for him, I think, most, most of the time. Might even be a plus pitch in time. And his fastball, like you've said, it's it's mostly uh, like 92 to 94, but he will bump at 95. And if it's warm on Saturday, I think it's supposed to be. And he's pitching against Colorado. I mean, I, I don't know. Is he from Colorado? And he went to Colorado Pueblo, right? Yeah. I don't know if he's from Colorado. I think he's from Arizona. But uh, I mean, I'm sure he'll be a little amped up. It wouldn't shock me at all if we see 96 on the gun at some point. Uh, and, yeah, the main thing, I, I'm really curious to see the metrics on his breaking balls. Uh, because I, I, when I'm watching it, the slider, it's like a mid eighties slider that just doesn't have a whole lot of horizontal movement to it. It's, it's a little bit kind of just like a little depth. I was going to say like more like a Frisbee, like just kind of, yeah, it just kind of drops a little bit to yeah. me. Uh, and then he's got his curveball, which is like 76, 77, which is like a, that that's one that he can throw at the top of the zone. And, and if the hitters aren't expecting it, they're not going to swing at it and he's gonna steal a couple strikes and he may be able to you know, get that at the, the beginning of the at bat, but it doesn't strike me as a swing and miss pitch for him. So it'll be interesting to see. I'm, I'm a little bit worried that he might actually get beat up, uh, kind of reverse platoon splits, like the right-handers might hit him a little bit. But but we'll see. I, I think he's going to pitch pretty well. Uh, you know, it's big league hitters are very good, and so it's probably going to be a rude awakening for him. But he's got the stuff and the mentality to, I think, give him four or five innings. Yeah, the changeup is is a very good pitch and it's something that last year we saw in West Michigan a couple times where it was just mainly, sometimes it was just mainly fastball changeup. He was able to 
get it. And yep. the best part about it is too, it wasn't it was always he wasn't nibbling. It was in the zone, and yeah. he was able to miss bat swing. And that's something that, if you look at it until until actually in third or fourth inning yesterday, Eduardo Rodriguez wasn't missing a lot of bats. He was getting strikeouts, but wasn't missing bats. We didn't swing the misses until a little later. And so I think for the Tigers, they definitely need that, especially with Manning. Who knows how long it'll be out? When we saw, he was saying, oh, maybe, you know, it's just like this optimistic. I don't say optimistic. It was kind of like, uh, maybe we'll miss too much time. But you look at it now, Mize as well. Mize is going to be out for who knows when. Uh, but it's it's going to be a tough, in terms of for the rotation right now, it's going to be a little, a little rocky. I'm not saying I have no pun intended with the Rockies coming to town. Sounds like mm-hmm. I am, but uh, trust me, I'm not. You, but it's, yeah, either way. Do you guys think Wentz might be next, though, if he has a couple good starts? And the reason I bring that up, uh, that night he was here in Des Moines, and I don't want to make excuses for him because everybody had to play in it, but that was a brutal night. The wind, it was cold, and the wind was howling out to center field. Um, it was not a good night to be a pitcher in that ballpark. <laughs> so and, and, it'll be interesting yeah, to see, you know, what he does next few starts. On this, along those lines, I, I think he gave up two or three home runs to like that center field alley where the wind is just whipping the balls out of there. And one of them came after what looked like, it looked like to me that he got strike three on a breaking ball and uh, the ump didn't give it to him. And the next pitch was a home run. It was like, well, and that was his final pitch of the game. I think he got pretty upset after that. I think, you know, if he can string together a couple strong starts where he's not walking too many guys, I think they might call him up. But I don't know. It's it's just tough. Like he's not throwing in a ton of quality strikes yet, and uh, I don't know. We've we've discussed. I kind of hold out hope that he can still be a back of the rotation starter, but I'm leaning more toward kind of uh, a bullpen piece now, who who may throw very hard from the left side, which could be interesting. So sure. we'll see. Yeah. We'll definitely see. So we did get some questions this evening, Chris. Where are the questions? Uh, the first one we saw was from who trying to ball. Uh, he said, will Brisky be on a pitch limit at all? And if so, how many, assuming he's dealing, which I do assume. Uh, as you've said, in the, uh, the start in Iowa, he threw 71 pitches. Okay. And in the start prior to that, he threw 75. So he's, I mean, that's about as stretched out as anybody's been in the first two starts this year. So if he's pitching well, I can see Hench letting him go 80 or so. I think they'd love to get five innings from him. If he can give them that, they'll, they'll be super happy. So I don't think they're going to go much higher than 80, though. Hi, hey, Jeremy. It's you. Who's trying to ball? <laughs> I, yeah, I don't, I don't think so either. I think they're going to keep him on a pitch limit because we're still early in the season. So I go, you know, I'll go 75. That's, that's what my guess yeah. will be. Makes sense. Y- Uber, you got any? Oh, I would, uh, you know, just from what I saw, he, uh, one thing I'll note it, it he was throwing, I think, just as hard at the end of that outing uh, as he was at the beginning. So there was no loss, really, at least if you go by the stadium gun, uh, no loss in velocity. So if, if he is getting through five innings, I'm sure they could let him get to 80, 85, but I think 75 is where they'll be more comfortable. Yeah, I'm guessing they won't want him to see too many hitters three times. Yeah, right. That's, uh, you know, rude awakening for anybody. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, Always honest, Abe. I don't. Uh, I don't recognize always honest, Abe asking us questions before. Oh, that's but... a that's a that's a good friend of the show, uh, Abe from oh. Southfield. Oh, all right. I didn't one know. Detroit, uh... Yeah, uh, one of uh, yeah. Detroit's finest. I think he was the one and only person who ever randomly called in to Bed Hop Radio. <laughs> yeah, I used to throw out the number every time, and I was like, "Wait, what? We're getting a phone call." 
<laughs> he just wanted to talk. It was when we were talking about Mike Piazza uh, going to the Hall of Fame. Oh, I remember. Yeah, I remember that show. Yeah, I actually do remember that. <laughs> it was very uh, like, uh, says, oh, we're getting a phone call. Uh, um, anyway, um, he said, did the most hated team in baseball just become the most hated team in the world? <laughs> um, no, I, I think uh, if there's a lot of hate going on right now, it's probably for from Yankee fans at Aaron Boone for screwing that up. But yeah, or the offense or Joey Gallo or Aaron Hicks. Or anybody, they just hate their own players for the most part. Well, I'll tell you, Aaron Boone is very hateable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> As an umpire, man, there's no more of a sniveling little weasel getting on umpire's case than that guy. Um, and so get, complaint, letting him get some grief today was fine. Yeah, yeah. He, he always he's always bitching about a call. Always oh, just brutal. It, it used to be the, the worst was like the tag team of him and Brett Gardner looking like a, oh. a like weird. Baby man, and they dug out banging the yeah. Oh, horrendous! I mean, you know, it's, it's, want to puke. I will say this: the one thing about Yan- the Yankee fan base. I mean, they when I look at the chartable top one hundred podcast, there's like seven or eight top Yankee podcasts are like within the top thirty. I'm not hating on it; it's impressive. It is impressive that they can serve so much of the fan base, like talking Yankees, John Boy Media. They know what they're doing. They know how to push the right buttons with Yankee fans. Because, I mean, witnessing a lot, there was a lot of Yankee fans this weekend, or excuse me, this week in Detroit, whether I got to interview some one of them who was from New York, and she was a boss of these guys, and she was really cool. But a lot of them were the Derek Jeter shirt that you know for a fact live around here, that you know that they have no bit, you know. Yeah. Well, so that's that's there's like two kinds of Yankees fans, and and there's so many of the second category that sometimes it's hard to uh, realize that there are a lot of people who just grew up Yankees fans. Like we grew up Tigers fans. Like oh, I grew up in, like they grew up in Connecticut or New York or Massachusetts or whatever, and the Yankees were the team they rooted for. And if you grew up in the '80s, it wasn't like you were picking a great team. They sucked. Yeah. They sucked for like 15 years. Uh, well, I mean, they. Well, okay, I get it. I mean, they did make it to the '81 World. It was the 80, 81 World Series. They have the, so, the amount of talent they had, though. They have David Winfield, they have Ricky Henderson, Don Manley, but they just had, I mean, they traded Doug, uh, Doug Gray back to the Pirates and they made a lot of stupid trades, but go ahead. Why did you trade Jay Buhner? <laughs> oh, like, Jay if, Buhner. If you How were, could you trade Jay Buhner? I mean, Roger, you were born, what, 81? I was born in 80. The Yankees were not good until I was 15, 16. That's fair. Were, I'm just, I'm yeah. just saying. Yeah. Um, so we do have an older fans, audience. We do have an older audience. Yeah, our, there, yeah. there were people who just grew up like in the Yankees. In, in any event, yeah, the Yankees fans are generally great fans. They care a ton about their team. They follow them. They live and die with everything. They're just a lot right. of hangers on who pick the Yankees because they're the you know the top team. Same reason people randomly become fans of the Cowboys or the Patriots or whatever. You know, no, you'd be game. amazed here in Iowa. Right. Iowa's a big baseball state. How many Yankee logos you see here? Um, you know, because the pecking order is definitely Cubs and Cardinals, but there are just as many Yankee fans running around here as like Twins and Royals. Uh, you see them all the time. So, yeah, I mean, that national reach is amazing. Uh, it well, even yeah. gets here to rural Iowa. When we were we were down at the Mudhens game, and, and I, I don't know if I pointed at the time, but I told Roger about it shortly after. There was a guy walking down the aisle with a Notre Dame sweatshirt on and a Yankees hat on. I'm like, I'll get out of here. I don't want to. I don't ever want to speak to you. <laughs> who could have been somebody from yeah New York who went to Notre Dame and now lives in Toledo, but I don't care. <laughs> um, by the way, uh, yep. speaking of Joey Wentz, by the way, the game 
he pitched four four and two thirds innings, allowed a run, struck out three, but only allowed two hits. So, yeah, very good. Nothing wrong with that. According to general manager Floyd McKellen, it was Floyd. They misspelled it. So if anybody, (laughs) they said Floyd McKellen. Yeah, where is that? Where did you see that? At the game recap. So if you go to Toledo, they just tweeted it out. Oh no! Yeah, they, they have people who've been misspelling Cody Clemens. I wonder if they've got an yeah. intern there who doesn't know anything about their own players and coaches. <laughs> yeah, Floyd McClellan and yeah. general manager. Apparently, he's a general manager too. So, so yeah, I mean, you've got so I yeah, Joey Wertz too, but not that bad. You know, four two thirds, four walks. That's <laughs> that's not going to cut it. Jeremy so. just he just <laughs> um, <laughs> no, all right. Continue on. Do we have any more questions, Chris? We got the what well, we had the the Tucker Barnhart one, and then uh, let's see. Oh, Deadly Ninja Bees said if the Tigers can survive this terrible first month, can they realistically make a run at the division? The errors and ice cold bats have to be fixable, right? I would agree with Deadly Ninja Bees because I, I think that you see some glimpses of it here and there. The again with the with the way the the, the bullpen is pitched, I expect at some point the bullpen to be the opposite and everything else be working. I don't you know it's just when bats are catching up and everything, but for what it, for what they've dealt with in terms of scheduling and the injuries, I think the Tigers have played just fine. You would like to see them hit a little more. And right now, I mean, down being down run or two right now is kind of almost, it's brutal. I mean, they, they make comebacks. Don't be wrong, but right now it's hard to come back from. So depending, but again, all things considering that could be the Cincinnati Reds. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I... You know, I, I we talked about it uh, last week, I think, and you said, you know, when they played the White Sox, it was pretty clear the White Sox had more talent and were the better team. The White Sox have dealt with a bunch of injuries already, so just like the Tigers. They just got swept by Cleveland. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if I believe Cleveland's offense is as good as it's been, although Cleveland develops the hell out of players, so so who knows. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I think, I think there's no reason to think that the Tigers can't be within shouting distance of the, the division for most of the year. I don't know if uh, there's one team that's just going to run away with things. So, yeah, hopefully the defensive stuff has been mostly it just feels like dumb mistakes, right? Like there have been a couple of physical errors that are normal, but a lot of it is just like you know, bad and, and then not controlling the running game at all. And they're, what, one for four on stolen bases. They just are doing a lot of bad stuff for fundamentals right now. And right, hopefully you can get that fixed. I mean, we all think that A.J. Hinch is a pretty good coach. I'm sure he's not. I keep thinking, like, what was the old Bobby Ross quote? Like, I don't, I don't coach that stuff. Or I don't coach that crap. Like, I keep thinking that AJ Hintz is thinking that in his head. Like, so, you know, the other day, Jonathan Scope had two consecutive absolutely horrible slides. Like, like he was sliding with his knees or something like that. And it's, I don't know. I mean, he knows better than that. He's a professional player. It's just sometimes these weird things pile up on you. So, and, and the bats will turn up okay at some point. They'll, they'll go through a stretch where, you guys mentioned it, like, Scope will get super hot. And somebody else will get hot at the same time. It'll be like, oh, they're scoring eight runs a game for a week. I would agree. You know, it, the offense is the thing. What's what? The, what is that going to look like come June? You know, late June is warm. The, the air is warm, uh, and everybody's starting to hit a little bit more. Uh, I do worry about Baez and the thumb. You know, thumb injuries can linger, and that can sap power for even when you get back in the lineup. So that was, I, I hated to hear it was a thumb or wrist there. 
Um, but we'll see when he comes back what that looks like. But obviously that should be a big boon to the offense uh, if he's anywhere close to what he normally is. Uh, and, you know, Torkelson is starting, you know, those long at-bats he was taking. Now all of a sudden they're becoming more productive at-bats, you know. And if he moves himself up to the top half of the lineup uh, on merit, you know, things are going to look different. Yeah, there's it's plenty of uh, plenty of season to go around, and so we march forward. All right, Chris, I think we have one more question, right? Or is that we had one more? It wasn't necessarily a question; it was just a couple comments from Daniel Jacket. Uh, he said two things: one, if the intentional walk to Miggy was a quote sensible baseball move, it was the first time I ever saw it done to pitch to a three fifty hitter. Um, <laughs> which, you know, it's a good point. I'm sure that things like that have happened before. I'm sure that Barry Bonds got you know walked to pitch to somebody who was crushing the ball. But yeah, it, it's, you know, it didn't work out and we're fine with that. And then number two, he's just said, Bo Brisky will surprise some and not go back to Toledo, which I'm not quite sure how they would work that. I guess, you know, if Mize is out for extended absence, then you would move Alexander to the bullpen in favor of Brisky. Is that how it worked? You'd be Scooble, Rodriguez, Pineda, Manning eventually, and Brisky. Does that sound right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's possible. I, I you know, it, it does feel kind of rash for them to bring up uh, Brisky. You know, they have to add him on the forty man. We were discussing earlier; they're going to have to drop somebody from the forty man roster. We're trying to figure out who it might be. We're speculating that that Zach Short maybe, or maybe they uh, they depart. Irresponsible with- speculation. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, what well, I mean, you have to, right? It's you. You hate to see that. Um, but the uh, we, we thought maybe, unfortunately, that they might have to part ways with a friend of the podcast, Dustin Garneau, even though he's done nothing wrong. It's just you know, it's tough to carry three catchers sometimes. Um, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, but, yeah, so if you're going to make a spot for a guy, then you might as well keep him up, right? I just uh, I, I think that they are going to need a lot of pitching this year, and they're going to shuffle them back and forth as much as possible. We'll probably see Elvin Rodriguez again at some point. Uh, you know, Ronnie Garcia with his cracked fingernail. We'll see him some more. So they're going to, yeah, they're going it, to, it's all hands on deck this year. I still want to believe in my, my theories of theories that Tigers will trade for a prospect. They like another system for a guy like Derek Hill or Daz Cameron to get a better opportunity for them. I, I don't know. I mean, again, that's just a, that's just a irresponsible speculation. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, it, I, it wouldn't shock me if they're done with Daz Cameron. Yeah, you know, I, yeah. I mean, uh, it also and we also discussed that the possibility that they could open up a spot just by putting either Funkhauser or Mize on the sixty day IL. Uh, yeah, at this point, Funkhauser would I, I think they could do it retroactively and have him come back in another thirty days or so. I'm not entirely sure about the retroactive rules of the sixty day, but uh, you know, given what they've said about Mize right now, like there's no surgery, but also no timetable, right? Yeah, I could I could see them throwing him on the sixty day, just uh, you know. Give him time. You don't want to rush back your former number one or pick, right? Even no matter how important he is to your season, you got to make sure he stays uh, relatively useful at some point. Yeah, we'll see what happens. We'll we'll definitely find out tomorrow. As tomorrow, I'll be heading to my first ever three game series in the press box. So I'm oh. to do the uh, Drew Mike. Ooh, no, but uh, yeah. I asked. I wanted to, I wanted to cover the game and. and try to get into a little bit of a better mindset. Cause especially I wrote an article this week about the unfair thing about Miguel Cabrera. And then I had a conversation with somebody. I'm not gonna say who, 
that kind of made me think about it a little differently. So it, I'll, I'll, yeah. So it, again, it's really one of those things where I come into this whole thing with, you know, I, I first and foremost, I just want to say it's been a great first week with Woodward sports and I'm eternally grateful for the opportunity. This has been a lot of fun. I've been watching a lot of baseball and, and getting into it. So, but at the same time, it's kind of like where I'm still going to be the same old objective, sometimes an asshole self where I'm going to look at the game critically. I'm going to still do my job and that's, you know, provide good content and also cover the game the way I see it. But yeah, there's anyway, um, being there probably will provide a little bit of a different experience. So that's all I'm going to say, you know, so, but yeah, if anybody, (laughs) I have some, uh, my season tickets, if anybody wants to go to the game this weekend, just, Hit me up and let me know. But uh, I'm up again, and thank you to the Tigers PR department to uh, allow the opportunity to as well. So it's um, they they're, they're they're very select, not selective, but they're they could have said no or not. But I appreciate Ben and all those folks over there do a good job. So enough about let me, that. Let me What's ask up? you this though: you, you're going to stay objective, but if there's a Tigers player who has uh, whose head looks like a nutsack, will you tell us? <laughs> <laughs> We don't see him without helmets much. I'm not. I'm not gonna. That's not gonna be something that I will share on the podcast. Maybe you know a, a private joke or something like that. Like we we have a lot of that stuff that we don't talk about on the podcast. But uh, um, no, cool, man. I'm, I'm happy for you. I'm proud of you. Well, thank you. I appreciate that, gentlemen. Yeah, it's and amazing. That's great. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to going. Hopefully, hopefully, Chris and I can go to the All Star Game in LA. I really, really want that to happen. But we're also I'm heading down to Lakeland June 1st through the 4th with Tiger Minor League Tracker, a.k.a. Kean, and I think Brandon Day might come. So we'll see what happens. And there's a piece I'm working on right now called the Wonder Kids. And no, it's not the Philadelphia Phillies, but, again, no one will probably get that reference, but old people, or excuse me, um, probably an older crowd. But uh, either way. The Wiz Kids. We'll, the Wiz Kids. Thank you. The Wiz Kids. And that was led by what manager? Who coached the – G? it was uh, – Gene uh, Mock, G Mock, yeah, who yeah. was one of the I think he was the first manager in Montreal. He was the manager of that bullpen of the '86 Angels that melted down. He's had some really good teams and never could get it over. So the late great uh, Gene Mock, and yes, Ray, I totally agree with you. It would be rash to move Tyler Alexander for the starting rotation. I think he's pitched well, except for whatever that was yeah. the other day. <laughs> I don't know what that was, and we'll see what happens, but uh. Thank you for listening to Woodward Tigers. I want to get a quick plug also to the Woodward Pistons, who have been plugging us very hard. So, again, those guys are fantastic, the entire crew over there. Check out all the draft coverage next week at the Brass Rail on the 28th for the draft, the Woodward Sports Draft Party featuring a bunch of Woodward Sports personalities will be out there. It starts at 7. And I've had the time, I think, I don't know, Chris, we went last year. It was a pretty good time. Was that was that the Brass Rail last year? No, it was at a different place in it was in Greetown. The brass yeah, rail is off of a uh, not too uh, far away from the, the ballpark. I gotta figure out the name of that place we went last year because I enjoyed those nachos and pretzels. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 <laughs> it's on the corner in Greetown. Yeah, we might hit up the brass rail either. Um, yeah, got some yeah. good pizza. And Jeremy, thank you for the comments and, and thank you for chatting it up tonight with us on YouTube. Yeah, you too, Ray and Joe and everybody else who who joined us. That's awesome. Yeah, always appreciate it. And uh, we'll be back Sunday for the Tiger Minor League Report weekly recap. There's a lot to talk about. Dylan Smith's given us stuff to talk about. Flores, 
man, I'm telling you, it's it's a good time to cover the minors, and it's uh, but man, it's like out of nowhere, it's like every night, it's like we're pulling. Chris, yeah. Chris, uh, credit to you the last couple of nights for pulling all the clips because been down there covering the game, and man, it's like every night there's something innate, like just some cool that we saw the other night with Zach Short throwing it over to. Oh God, to Ryan Kreider, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. That, yeah, that was the official account that got that. That was sweet. Yeah, they actually worked faster than we did for once. That was. Yeah, I wasn't watching. I, yeah. I don't watch a ton of the Mudhens games. There's not a whole lot of exciting going on there. Yeah, but not to mention, it's usually we don't expect. Yeah. Anyway, whatever. Yeah, you don't know. But... Yeah. So find us over at again Woodward Tigers. Just search it, and it's up there. We've updated everything, so this should be like I said. I fixed the player issue for Player FM for. Our one of our longtime listeners, Nopes in the Netherlands. Yeah. That guy is awesome. And Nopes, yeah. I, I, if you're listening right now, thank you for spreading the word about the Tigers podcast in Holland. Yeah. I, I, I struggle for a second. Like, the Netherlands and like, the Netherlands. His tweet again from when, when uh, he saw the Riley Green injury because you didn't need to speak <laughs> Dutch to see it. It was like, kak, kak, eat shit. Gotta find that. Yeah, you gotta find that too. So yeah. fa- fantastic, but uh, uh, yeah, Josh Lester had another home run, so he's in a four game hitting streak. We'll see you next week, everybody. We partied like it's twenty nine ninety nine. Yes, we there did. Yeah, we'll uh, three thousand next week. Yeah, if we does hit three thousand in the next couple days, we might do a little mini uh, like uh, remembering Miguel, a uh, poor one out for Miguel, but actually in a good way. So, well, we'll but anyway, we're yeah. sputtering to the end. We'll see you guys next week, or when Miguel hits three thousand.